0: Give that man a round of applause. (laughs) Well done, Arjun. I was wondering who was going to fight for that reading, either Brooke or um, Brooke. You got the easy one, didn't you? Really. (laughs) Well, um, keep that open in front of you, please. Matthew chapter one, if you've got it there. Um, And welcome to, if you're, uh, my name's Graham. If you're visiting today with us, it's great to have you here. Uh, Welcome if you're watching online at um, at home, watching our YouTube. Uh, Christmas, Christmas is coming I take 13 days, is that right? Yes? 13 days, yes, okay. Now, to busy parents, um, well, with presents to buy and to wrap, meals to prepare, uh, puddings to bake, trees to decorate, uh, family discussions to negotiate, these 13 days will fly by. Uh, Time will fly by, and most of us will need more of it. But for our young ones, well, these days will feel like an eternity. When's it going to come? They pass more slowly than the last few kilometres of the tedious journey to Aunt Beryl's unboxing day. Uh, (laughs) Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No! Sorry, I'm quoting Shrek. Um, It's a great scene in Shrek if you haven't seen it. It actually reminds me of C.S. Lewis's description of, uh, of Narnia as a place where it was always winter but never Christmas. Remember that line, in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Uh, no doubt that resonates well with children, uh, well, it's particularly Northern Hemisphere children. But today's children are not the first to think that Christmas can't come soon enough. Indeed, that was the feeling of generations of Old Testament believers uh, Charles Wesley, the famous um, carol writer, hymn writer, he picks up on, on this in, the, in the, his classic carol hark, The Herald Angels Sing. He says, um, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Late in time. So like, was Jesus late? Was Jesus late? Uh, I don't think that's what Charles Wesley meant. Jesus didn't come at the wrong time. Nor did he get distracted and uh, lost track of time. How about that? Here I am. No, I don't think so. But since God's people had been hoping for this coming since the promise of Genesis 3.15, that God would send one who would crush the serpent's head, it must have seemed a very long time. How long, O Lord, was the the common refrain of Old Testament believers? Uh, Would it be always winter and never the long promised Christmas. The truth is, um, God may seem slow to us, but He's always on time. He's never late. You see, when we read through the Bible from the beginning, there's always something pretty special, isn't there? About when you when you turn over that blank page of the last of the Old Testament into the New Testament, you turn over. There's always something pretty special about that. And the first thing that you come to is a long list of names. Matthew 1, 1 to 17. It's Matthew's summary of the long years of waiting and asking, are we there yet? It's Matthew's summary of those long years of crying out to God, uh, how long, O Lord? And then if you've got your Bibles open, in verse 18, winter... Gives way to Christmas. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Uh, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, came about. The King of Kings salvation brings. Uh, To quote another carol, one of my favourites actually. The birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, you see, is the dawn of, of a glorious new era. See, births take place every day, don't they? Um, I think every hour, births take place across the world. So why does Matthew spend so much time on his gospel on this birth? Well, this birth was different, and Matthew wants us to see why. And friends, that's what I want us to see as well. Over these next, um, next few weeks, next couple of weeks, uh, what makes this birth so special, so different than any other birth? And that is a question that we'll answer, I hope to answer, over, these, over this sort of Christmas season, over these next couple of weeks as we gather together. So in a moment I'm going to pray for us and help us understand a bit more about Matthew chapter 1. Um, I'd love you to have your Bibles open. We're going to flick around a little bit but Matthew 1 is where we're sort of uh, staying. And there's an outline too in your bulletin. You can fold open there and um, you see there's a bit of space to write some comments if you want to as well. And don't forget if you've got a question um, or a comment then you can use the, the comment card um, and place in the box the back, back there. How about I pray? Father, we do, we do thank you for uh, your word to us today. We thank you for the joy of Christmas that we've already sung about. And Lord, we thank you that you indeed save. And that you're our great King and our, our Messiah, um, our Christ, who has come to save us. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. Help us to put your words into practice as we trust you more. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so can you tell me which... Uh, novel do these words belong to? It was a bright, cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13. Yes? 1984. 1984. Did you do it for your HSC? No, I just read it. Okay. You you poor thing. It is a boring book. Yes. Um, It's got a great start, though. Um, I did it for my HSC. Anyone else do it for HSC? Wes did. I thought you did. Yes, Andrew did. There you go. No? Not this year's text. Not not me. Sandlin, you 10. Not me. Well, you must be pretty smart, Sam. I'd wait till you 12 for it to me. So there you go. Um, yeah, it's it's of course nine eighty four by George Orwell, uh, and um, like the the first words of any book are important, aren't they? Uh, they they can make or break whether you keep reading. Sinclair Ferguson, uh, in his little book, The Dawn of Redeeming Grace, it's a little book on, on Advent readings that I'm reading through at the moment so it's helped me with these next couple of weeks particularly, he shares about a time when he began to read two biographies of two contemporaries who were on um, the opposite sides of the American Revolution. And he writes, One biography began with the explanation of the subject's complete family tree and varied royal connections. The other with these words. In the cold, nearly colourless light of a New England winter, two men on horseback travel the coast below Boston, heading north. Sinclair then writes, you can guess which book I kept reading. (laughs) (laughs) True, I'm with him. Um, The first option, well, it sounded a little bit dull, didn't it? Uh, Family connections can seem a little bit dull, uh, a bit boring, even to those who are in the family. Imagine what it's like for those outside the family. The opening se- section of Matthew's Gospel isn't exactly something that would normally grasp the reader's attention. For most of us, it, it's a long list of unfamiliar names, uh, which we can't pronounce, except if you're Adrian Avery, that is. Um, most ministers uh, would avoid reading uh, this section of Matthew's Gospel at Christmas Series, but not me. Um, but these, these first words of Matthew's Gospel would have grabbed the attention of his first readers, who were mostly Jewish. Literally, verse 1 reads, The book of the Genesis, of Jesus Christ, Son of David, Son of God. Now, if you were a child born in the 70s, as I was, uh, Genesis was a cutting-edge rock ensemble that you nodded your head to in the late 80s and 90s. Um as a teenager. But for Matthew's readers, uh, the word Genesis, just like the first book of the Bible, meant beginning. Beginning. This was no accident. Matthew's of, biography of Jesus is the story of a new Genesis, a new beginning. For that's what the Christian gospel boils down to. It's about God establishing his kingdom and beginning what Paul later called uh, a new creation. In fact, Bible nerds have often described Matthew's gospel as the gospel of the kingdom. And, how, and if you keep reading through Matthew's gospel, you hear about how Jesus taught about the kingdom. And how Jesus' miracles were signs of its presence. And how he explained what, life, what new life in the kingdom looked like. A new lifestyle for those who would belong to this kingdom. And then Matthew's Gospel ends with one last sign of Jesus' kingship. It's right at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Jesus says to his apostles after his resurrection, uh, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now this rule will be extended to the ends of the earth, uh, to, the, to the end of history. You see, the gospel story is all about how Jesus Christ, the descendant of David, the, the king, in the kingdom of God, restores life to what it's meant to be. Back to, to factory settings, if you like. A new Genesis with Jesus as king. A few moments ago, uh, we read from this is what Brooke read to read for us uh, one of the accounts of creation in Matthew chapter one, uh, Genesis chapter one. In that first beginning, God created men and women in His image, in His likeness. Uh, God said, "Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the in the sky." over li- the livestock and all the white animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. You notice that as God said, let them rule, let them have dominion, uh, dominion in the, in the older language. God made them royal children uh, to reign over the kingdom of creation and he made us rulers of the world under him. But if we keep reading through Genesis and not that far either, Genesis tells the story of what we call the fall. Uh, they rejected God as ruler and then tried to li- run life uh, their own way without him. Like us, they failed to rule themselves and the world. Uh, a quote from this, this readings that I'm going through, uh, Ferguson again. Their calling was to turn the dust of the earth into a garden. Instead, they sinned and became part of the dust themselves but now well we stand and live in these opening pages of Matthew's gospel god is bringing about a grand re- reversal and the whole story of the old testament summarized in these first 17 verses has been preparation for that now the new beginning has begun Matthew's Gospel will tell the story of how Jesus undid the effects of the fall of Genesis 3. Matthew's Gospel will tell the story of how Jesus accomplished what Adam and we have failed to do. And the result will be a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Life to the full, as Jesus uh, says. As we give our lives over to Jesus as king, as we put the crown on his head. Uh, forgiven. Forgiven restored as we trust in him friends with God are no longer enemies and one day we can look forward to what Jesus calls in Matthew 19 the renewal of all things literally in the Greek the word is palingenesia isn't that cool you see Genesis there that's where we get it from palingenesia the renewal of all things the new beginning the beginning again through trusting in Jesus, God reverses the effects of sin in our lives. Rather than death is life, rather than dust is life. We go back to those words from Genesis. God cancels the debt of sin as we trust in His Son's death on the cross for us. You know, in uh, in ancient times, uh, if a person became bankrupt, the list of their debts was written on a on a parchment and then it was uh, nailed up in a public place so all could see. There was a nail at the top and, uh, and another at the bottom of the parchment. Well, a wealthy friend, uh, seeing this humiliating document, could take out the bottom nail, uh, fold the parchment up so in, in two, and then write their name uh, across the, fa- the, uh, the folded document and drive the bottom nail in to secure the folded document. So the signature across the bottom meant that the person would take responsibility for their friend's debt. Friends, this is a helpful illustration, I think, of what the gospel is, what the good news of Jesus is, isn't it? The good news that God has reversed our debt of sin. It's been forgiven. It's been cancelled. Jesus has taken that on. And so it's a new beginning because of what he's done for us. Jesus' name is written over the parchment covering the... Our debt. You see, uh, Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel is good news for anyone who needs a new beginning. Uh, that's why this, his gospel ends with Jesus telling the apostles to go to the ends of the earth uh, with the message of the kingdom of God. The restoration with God is now possible for anyone through Jesus. Jesus has inaugurated uh, a new genesis. In which anyone who will come to Him in faith will share. The gospel is good news for anyone who needs a new beginning. It's good news for those who are struggling with doubt. It's it's good news for those who feel rejected. It's good news for those who are who are tired. (laughs) It's good news for those who are in pain. The gospel is good news for those who are lonely. And it's good news for those who are unfaithful. It's good news for sinners like you and me. But we're still left with one question, aren't we? Still left with this question. Why all the names? (laughs) Why why all the names? Well, the answer lies in the three ways that Matthew describes Jesus. Jesus. And if you've got your Bibles there, you can follow along with me here. The first is that Jesus is the Christ uh, or Messiah. Same word, same uh, Greek uh, translation to a Hebrew translation of the word. The first, Jesus is the Christ. Jesus being the Christ is mentioned four times in 1 verse 1, 16 and 17. And then, of course, later in um, verse 18. Christ or Messiah simply just means it means King. So Jesus is God's king, his anointed king, whom God had promised to send to deliver his people. That's who Jesus is. The second is that Jesus also is also the son of David. Now that's significant because God had promised that a descendant of David would reign over a kingdom that would never end and would stretch from one end of the earth to the other. Uh, that king would restore the world marred by sin, stained by sin and the fall. And finally, this other, this, Jesus is also uh, the son of Abraham. This takes us right back to uh, Genesis chapter 12, God's promises to us through Abraham. So even before David, God had promised that this same person, this Christ, this king, would be a descendant of Abraham and in in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The gospel would go out, you see, of course, to the ends of the earth. All nations would hear the good news of Jesus. They would experience the blessing of that grand reversal, sin forgiven, a new beginning in Jesus. Now, there's, um, there's more to talk about. When we think of um, Jesus' genealogy, uh, more surprises, I suppose, but you might have to do a bit of work on your own to figure out those. Uh, but today, what I want to say, let's consider this. Christmas reminds us of the new beginning God has made possible by sending his son Jesus. So perhaps today, uh, perhaps a new beginning is what you need most this Christmas. Uh, do you need a, a do over? As they say, is there some aspect of the last 12 months where you wish you could start over? If that's the case, and um, it wouldn't surprise me considering the year that's been, then Matthew uh, writes so that you can find that new beginning in the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus. How about I pray for us and ask God to help us With um, knowing his gospel, knowing Jesus as king, and that new beginning we can have with him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for most of all your forgiveness. Lord, we pray that as we uh, continue to read through these verses in Matthew's gospel, and we think of the birth of your Saviour, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who you sent to die for us, Lord, we pray that this would indeed be a new Genesis. In our trust and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord we pray for anyone today who needs to hear uh, what we've this good news. We pray for anyone who's struggling with doubt. we pray for anyone who feels rejected, who's tired in need and in pain, lonely, for all of us who are unfaithful. Lord we thank you for the good news that Jesus came for sinners. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we put our trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.